Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. He has risen. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, clearly we don't have enough Baptists present this morning. The tradition in the church that I grew up with was that somebody would stand from the pulpit and scream out, he is risen, and then the congregation's response is, he is risen indeed, all right? So we're going to try that one more time. <laughs> and then we'll move on from there. He is risen. All right, there you go. <laughs> there you go. See? It's the chain reaction that happens after that moment, right? He has risen indeed. Come on, God is on the move. Anybody feel that, know that, you're experiencing that? The Lord is moving in our day. Moving and shaking, stirring things up. I, I can confidently say things are not going to be the same after this season. You feel that? You know that? The Lord is the Lord is at work in our day, y'all. This is it's an exciting time to be alive. Uh, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna bless just the giving of the word this morning, and then uh, I'm gonna invite my daughter to, to come up here in a second. She's gonna share um, some of her paintings here. So Lord, I just thank you that you're here in the midst of us this morning. Holy Spirit of God, that you're here and that you're working, you're speaking, you're alive and touching lives. I thank you, Lord, that you did not stay in the grave, but that you very much are alive and working in our day today. And we invite you this morning, Holy Spirit of God, would you come and would you touch, would you reveal, would you speak? Help us, Lord, to recognize our Father's voice, that we might know you and live according to your ways. God, I thank you for this. I bless, I bless, I bless our time together. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, Aurora, would you come on up? This is my amazing daughter, Aurora. Why don't you go grab the, the one that you did this morning here. And uh, I asked her if it was okay if I shared some of these. She's been doing these from the, um, from the stage here for a number of weeks. You can see all the different treasures that have come out of this. But uh, I wanted her to share what each one was, and we're going to release it kind of as a ministry word this morning. Sound good? All right, sweetie. So uh, let's walk on down here. We're going to start at this end down here. Do you, are you able to pull a camera in so we can see it? Are we in the dark too much there? Okay. Well, what, what are we seeing here, sweetie? Okay, so um, this is Jesus, and um, this is supposed to be meant as kind of like a self-insert so that anyone can put themselves in this place, and um, it just kind of like a quiet moment, because Jesus will come and just like stay with you when you need it, and um, yeah, yeah, so he's like, yeah, your friend, and he'll just come, sit, talk, listen, yeah. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, this is uh, like Jesus as a lion. Um, and then also kind of him as a lamb, but also this is also kind of meant as like almost like us. Like he is like this big lion that protects us and just like it's a little lamb that he's, you're able to sleep by him. And yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, this one is, it's like the blood of Jesus washing us clean. And like, if you look closely, you can't really see it on camera, but uh, in the black, it it's like, you can still see his facial expressions, but it's like sad and like angry. So it's like washing all that away. Um, this one is kind of similar to the last one, but um, it's like Jesus himself washing us, away, like washing us clean. Um, it, this one is more as like, it's like depression and sadness, and he just like comes up and just will wash that away. <laughs> um, for this one, it's like, uh, it's like darkness, and um, this is, I, I did this when I was having kind of a hard time, and um, I, it just felt like Jesus just like picked me up and like walked with me through the right path. Um, this one is one that I did actually on Good Friday. Um, it's Jesus on the cross, and if you look close me, closely, there's a snake, and it, the nail is going through the snake's hand, and so the snake is supposed to represent, like, the devil, and the nail just pierced his head, and so he died along with the cross. And this one is of Jesus and angels and like the, uh, what is it the, the, like the resurrection and like the cloud of witnesses and they're all like celebrating with Jesus and just the final defeat of sin. So, honey, what I want you to do now is I just want you to pray for people. I want you you're, you're, the Lord, I felt like the Lord wanted us to release this as a word over us, that no matter where you're at, that the Lord will meet you right where you're at, and he'll walk you through wherever you're facing, and that there's victory and there's wholeness, and there is the ability to, to be aligned with what God's doing, what he's done in the past, and what he's going to do in the future. It's all available. So, Aurora, would you just pray for us? So, just take a hand, put it on your own heart. Just receive the ministry this morning. Lord, thank you for today and for Easter and for dying on the cross for us. And I just ask that you will just pour blessings on all of us and that everyone here will know that you can be a savior, a friend, a father. And that he will, that you will just come and sit with them. That they will be able to pour out their feelings and that they will be able to be aligned with heaven. And that you will heal everyone's hearts. And I just ask for blessings and increase for everyone here. Amen. Amen. Yeah.
Good job, honey. You know, every week you see artists up here painting, and um, the vast majority of the time, there's a reason that they are painting what they're painting. And so if something ever ministers to you, you know, approach them afterwards. Find out what, what they were feeling, experiencing. A lot of times it's like a prophetic word where God would put something on their heart and they're painting it and they're releasing that to people. But, um, you know, so often there is there's a, literally a word for, uh, for people. And so receive it this morning. Amen? Okay. If you got a Bible, would you open up, please, to uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. First of all, happy Resurrection Day. What a time to be alive, y'all. What a time to be alive. God is on the move. This is uh, 1 Kings 17. It's, we pick up this story with Elijah the prophet. Everyone say Elijah. You got to. You got to enunciate the jaw because there's a shah coming afterwards, right? Elisha, Elijah. Elijah, as the prophet of Israel, and his job is to speak on behalf of the Lord so that the people of God know what God's saying to them. His job is to judge accurately what the, the process of Israel, what Israel is into. His job is to be the go-between to make sure that God's people are walking according to God's ways and that he's supposed to speak on the Lord's behalf to the people so that they know what God's saying. And for the most part, this thing is supposed to work that God's people are walking with the Lord and things are going well and the prophet is there to help guide. But what happens when Israel begins to go their own way and they have a king who ends up being wicked and starts to make decisions that are causing the nation to head in the wrong direction. What happens when they start to be consequences in the land because the choices that they're making aren't aligned with God's will or ways? And so there is curses. There's the result of making bad choices, evil choices even. And so we find, we pick up the story today where Elijah is having to confront Ahab the king. Ahab has chosen to introduce worship of Baal into Israel's culture. Baal was the god of fertility. It's a foreign god. It's an idol. It represented fertility. The way that farmers would have prosperity is that their fields would be blessed with fertility. The seeds worked. The stuff grows. Rain comes. The life cycle of increase and abundance is happening, and it's all because of this supposed God of fertility that is blessing their land. So Ahab introduces Baal worship into Israel's culture. Israel is meant to follow the Lord and the Lord alone, not another God, not an idol for sure. This conflict is leading the people of God to serve idols, and they begin to stray away from God's ways. Elijah shows up, and he begins to confront this. It's his job to confront it when culture's heading the wrong way. So he goes to Ahab the king, and this is where we kind of pick up the story. This is uh, 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite, what an unfortunate name. How'd you like to be known as a Tishbite? There it is. You're a Tishbite. Elijah the Tishbite 
who is of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, go away from there, turn eastward, you got to get someplace else then, all the food and water is about to dry up. And the Lord provides for Elijah. Supernatural provision, everything's rolling out for him, everything's going fine. Meanwhile, in Israel, they're having a rough go. They are now no longer walking with the Lord, and they are having a drought in the land that is causing significant problems. In the ancient world, a drought is not just that you're, you can't go boating on the lake. A drought in the ancient world means there is no food for, there's no water for your crops, so your crops aren't going to grow. There's no water to sustain your animals. Your animals are going to die. Your provision and your way of life is about to shrink and go away, and it's catastrophic for people. The drought comes for three and a half years. The land is restricted. There is a curse in the land. There's a consequence because God's people have broken God's covenant with them. Every time a covenant is broken, a curse is released. That is what takes place. A covenant, this binding agreement, has great blessing attached to it, but there are also consequences when you don't follow through. It's not just that your marriage dissolves, that there's a covenant that's broken. Often there are consequences that no one saw were going to take place because the marriage fell apart. The covenant was broken. The scripture says that the curse is the result. There are consequences in the land of Israel because the covenant of God has been broken by them. They are not supposed to worship other gods. You shall have no other god but me, the Lord said. There's no water in the land. Can you imagine? I it's so difficult for us to get our heads around it because we're not an agricultural society. We go to the grocery store, right? You, you're like, oh, man, they're out of fruity pebbles. Oh, no, you know, there's a drought in the land, I guess. Like. <laughs> We don't, we don't feel it like that. That's because the supply chain and the way that we've done the world, the way we've done it. Other parts of the world, though, they do. They feel it. There are agricultural nations that when a drought comes, it's catastrophic. It's bad, bad, bad. In Israel's day, this is taking place. Elijah is being taken care of. The people of Israel are having a hard go of it. And the reason is because they have broken God's covenant. If you keep following the story... The Lord says to Elijah, all right, it's time. you got to go talk to Ahab. It's time to challenge the system. It's try to, time to turn the people of God back towards him. He goes to Ahab and he challenges him. He says, we're going to take the prophets of Baal. He also said the prophets of Asherah, but Jezebel, the witch, bolted. She's like, forget it. I'm not, you know, I think she knew <laughs> that something bad's about to happen. Ahab and his 400 prophets of Baal and then Elijah serving the Lord as a prophet challenge each other on Mount Carmel. And on top of this mountain, they call the people of God together and the nation is out there and they create these altars and they're going to call down their God to take the sacrifice. And so the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and they're encircling. They take all day. They're chanting. They're doing everything that they need to do to create and conjure up some kind of supernatural energy. It does not take place. 
Elijah then is taunting them. You know, maybe your God's off using the bathroom. A little bit of potty humor, right? Feel like no, <laughs> like you got to introduce the potty humor. It's the only way. Eventually, Elijah, it's his turn, and he steps up. The story goes on. There's so many amazing facets to it. But the point is this, that Elijah cries out to God, and God releases fire from heaven, consumes the altar, consumes all the water they poured out on it, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the rocks, consumes everything. There was no doubt that God, the supernatural God of the universe, shows up and declares that he is the Lord and Baal is not. In that moment, Ahab goes, oh my, I can't believe that I was wrong. The Lord clearly is God. And Ahab comes back into his right mind. Declares that the Lord is the God of Israel. And Elijah tells him, okay, now that we've turned this, now that we've repented, now we've acknowledged, rain can return. Blessing can return. The way of God and the ways of God the people are coming into alignment with God's ways again, and so God's blessing can flow again. When they are out of alignment with God's ways and purposes, there is a curse. There are consequences. But when they step back into alignment, now there is provision and there is the release of blessing that can come. I know it sounds like an oversimplification, but can I tell you how many times in life we step out of God's will and God's ways and we're doing it our own way and it's not working for us. You don't have peace. It's not, you're not at rest. You're striving. You feel the tension of it. Nothing's working. And then all you had to do was turn your heart back, step into the alignment of the Lord and his peace returns. You feel the prosperity of his presence. Suddenly you're making good decisions and things begin like a light switch. Click your life goes back online. It seems obvious to me that you should just maybe, I don't know, knock that off. <laughs> just, just walk with him. But we, we just have this habit of not. I don't know why, but we tend to get out of alignment and then we scratch our heads and we go, I wonder what happened. No, y'all. I tell you what happened. We, we stopped walking with him. Elijah goes to Ahab and says, okay, hook up your chariots. You better get down the mountain because I hear the sound of heavy rain. This verse is so powerful. Let me just read it for you. This is verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, drink, for there is the sound of the roar of heavy showers coming. The sound of the roar of heavy showers coming. There is blessing that has been piling up because you have not been walking in God's ways. And suddenly you step back into it and that piled up blessing of God that was supposed to be flowing in your life suddenly woo, comes upon your life. I was 17 years old. I was not walking with the Lord. I was a senior in high school. I was, doing, I was not in a good place. 
emotionally, physically. I was making very bad choices. My parents, pastors, Baptist pastors, right? So they were doing it the right way. They're leading a church. I had grown up in church. I grew up in Sunday school class. I knew all the right answers. I prayed to receive Jesus when I was four years old, right? My world is surrounded by people who are going the right way. They're making good choices. They're encouraging me, speaking to me. My identity was found in that community, but as soon as I stepped away from that community, as soon as I started making my own decisions, I realized that my faith was not my own, rather that I had been trusting, entrusting my life to the faith of a community, and I had not apprehended it for myself. And so the voices of others were helping me direct my life up until this point. But when I realized, when I stepped away, when I started making my own decisions, I realized that I didn't have faith for myself. There was a day, literally, where I came home from school, I had, it was not good. A lot of circumstances around it. My parents are sitting next to me on the bed, one to my left, one to my right. I am telling them all the bad stuff that I've been a part of. I'm confessing because nothing is working. I'm sharing with them what's going on with me, and my mom looks over and says, you need Jesus, son. You need Jesus. You've known about him, but you need him. And on that bed, they just led me in a sinner's prayer, the same prayer that I prayed when I was four years old, same prayer I heard after every sermon that my dad ever preached. And that day, I prayed and I received Jesus. And can I tell you something? It was like I had been in a desert, and suddenly I got chucked into a river. I had been dry and broken and in pain. See, I identify with these. That's me. And Jesus comes in those moments and he poured into me and I felt the guilt and shame wash off of me. I felt God's peace come into my life and I got transformed from the inside. Changed. Elijah goes up on the mountain after Ahab is gone, and he begins to pray. His prayer is this. Father, Israel has repented. And so Elijah, who had released the word that the word, the water won't come until Elijah releases the word. Elijah goes up on the mountain to release the word, to say to God, okay, you can turn the spigot back on. Israel has come into alignment with your ways. So he goes and he prays, and it says he prays seven times. And the book of James says this about Elijah, that he was a man just like you and I. He wasn't acting as some supernatural agent of God. He was a man just like you and I. And he prayed, and God turned off the faucet. What did he pray? God, they're out of alignment the blessing needs to be altered in this moment until they come back into alignment. He was judging. He was holding them accountable to the word. So Elijah prays as a man just like you and I. Lord, they're out of alignment. And then when they come back into alignment, he prays, God, they're back in alignment. You can turn the faucet back on. 
And then it says this. This is verse, this is chapter 18, verse 43. He said to his servant, go up and look towards the sea. So he went up and he said, there is nothing. And so Elijah went back seven times. And it came about on the seventh time that the servant said, behold, there is a cloud the size of a man's hand coming up from the sea. Elijah said to him, go and tell Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down immediately because the heavy shower will stop you. Elijah was a man just like us. Follow me here because I don't want to lose you in the story. On the day that Jesus hung on that cross, on the day that Jesus died, it's, the story tells that he's hanging there and says, this is Mark 16, excuse me, Mark 15, verse 33. Hopefully you guys have that one. Mark 15, verse 33. said, when the sixth hour came, there's Jesus hanging on the cross. When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until about the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. So he's hanging on the cross. He's there. He's hanging on the cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Elijah. Someone ran and got a sponge of sour wine, put it on a reed to give him a drink. Let's see what happens if Elijah comes. And Jesus uttered a loud cry, breathed his last. And then it says something tremendous. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. There's a centurion standing right there in front of him when he breathed his last, and he said, whoa, I think this was the Son of God. In the temple, there was the holy place and then the most holy place. In the most holy place, the Ark of the Covenant sat. This is where the Ten Commandments were kept in and where the mercy seat was, a lid to the box, to the ark, that had two cherubim, winged angels, with their wings sticking out towards one another. And the scripture says that in between the cherubim, over the mercy seat, where they sprinkle the blood for atonement, that that is the place where God's presence dwells. And when Jesus gave up his spirit, the scripture says that the veil, there was a curtain that is like a foot thick, dividing between the holy place and the most holy place. Where the presence of God was, they had a veil, a curtain, that prevented people from stumbling into the presence of God and dying. This curtain was there to protect people from God's presence. But when Jesus gave up his spirit, it says that the veil was torn from top to bottom. And where the presence of God had been dwelling amongst men, 
suddenly is unleashed upon the world. You got to keep following the story. Come on, we'll weave it back together. Hang with me. And God's presence that had been divided from God's people is suddenly unlocked where the spiritual dimension and the natural dimension suddenly are interwoven. Where the presence of God and the Spirit of God suddenly, we know on the day of Pentecost that God breathed violently into the upper room and released the presence and Spirit of God upon all flesh. Humanity would never be separate from God again. The dimension of the spiritual world would suddenly be unified with the natural world where people now could walk according to the Spirit of God. Jesus dies on that cross, and we know he resurrects three days later. You know, when you became a believer, your life before Jesus and your life after Jesus, there is a life in darkness, and then there is a life in light. A life disconnected from the breath of God, eternal life. And then when eternal life came into you, how it connected the release of eternal life in you and how it changes everything. When I was sat on that bed next to my mom and dad and I prayed to receive Jesus and something changed on the inside, my life begins to emerge differently. I did not know that within a few short months, my life would change so dramatically again. My mother, who led me to the Lord, would die. Suddenly the connection, my spiritual connection is gone. And what I didn't realize is that up until that point, my mom had been interceding for me so much. Every one of her friends, after she passed away, they would come up to me randomly, even some of you guys, would come up to me randomly and say, I just want you to know your mom has had us praying for you actively for five years, six years. Like every time she saw me, she would bring you up and she would have us pray. And my mom's testimony was that the intercession before the Lord was over and over and over. When my mom passed away, something changed in me. I felt it. I experienced it. You know the sting, the sting of loss. But when you come to Christ, the scripture says that the sting of loss is a little different. That when people die in Christ, they don't die, they go to sleep. You ever wondered about that? A Christian doesn't die, a Christian just goes to sleep. They're asleep in the Lord. <laughs> we go to sleep in the Lord and that reality of not dying, I was wondering about this, and I was asking the Lord about this, and he reminded me of something, and it happens to every believer, and I want you to see it today, because as this thing, as we weave these storylines together in just a moment, you're going to recognize something, that your life is purpose, and that purpose goes way beyond you. That your life has significance and it goes way beyond you. That it is tied to 
a thousand generations of people that have gone before you. That your life does not stand on its own. That when I got saved, I was joining a story that had been in progress for a long, long time before I joined the story. My parents got radically saved in the 60s and 70s, Jesus People Movement. You have to ask my dad about that sometime. My grandparents, radically saved, knew Jesus. Step back generations before that, you're going to find that that goes back and back and back. And I bet we could all trace our stories back to people that have been walking with the Lord for a lot longer than we have. Previous generations. I had this dream not too long after my mother passed away, and we were canoeing out on this big lake, and it was like the boundary waters where uh, you had to portage between lakes. And we were out, a group of us were out in the middle of this lake, and it was starting to get dark outside, and we realized that we were not going to be able to make it to the portage that we're supposed to get to. And this is all in a dream. And in the middle of the, the lake there, one of the guys goes, hey, I think there is a current in this lake. And he paddles his canoe over to it, and he puts his canoe into the current, and suddenly, shoom, he shoots across the lake. And we're all sitting there in our canoes, and we're like, whoa, that's amazing. We paddle up to this thing, and you can see it. I remember distinctly in the stream, you could see the current. It's right there. One step back, and you're not in the current. You're standing still. Nothing is moving. And one step forward, suddenly you find yourself caught up in a momentum that has nothing to do with you, and you get shot across the lake. In the dream, there you go. There's the opportunity. Step into it or don't. You're one step away from everything changing. You're one step away from suddenly being shot into alignment with your God-given purposes and where you're supposed to be. But isn't it interesting that you can be one degree of separation away from that and nothing is happening in your life? The Bible calls missing the mark, just being off by a little bit, the Bible calls that sin. That you can be off by just a little bit and everything is stalled out, but as soon as you step into alignment with heaven's purposes, boom, you get caught up to speed. Elijah is praying, and he looks, and he goes, there was a cloud the size of a man's hand. And in that moment, he knew that he won. How? I don't think that was a rain cloud that he saw. I don't think that's what he's seeing. See, the scripture says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that there are those who have gone before us in the Lord and that they have walked in God's ways and that their lives carried a momentum and a promise. And like so many that have gone before us, the scriptures talk about big people in the scriptures, faith people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the heroes in the faith, how they did not see the fulfillment of what they had been looking for. In other words, they were promised things in God that did not come to pass in their lifetime. 
but that they, as a cloud of witnesses, those who had seen God's promise but not yet witnessed it fulfilled, were still looking on to witness the fulfillment of what they had been promised. You following me here? The cloud of witnesses cheering, interceding, praying for. The scripture talks that Jesus is the lead intercessor. He is praying that the fulfillment of who you're meant to be would come to pass. What if I told you that the thousand generations of people that have gone before you are looking on, are praying for, are cheering you on, that your race might be run without hindrance, that the thousand generations of blessing like a mighty current is right there, but you have to align your life with God's purposes. You could be working like a dog, trying to make it happen, and nothing is working in your life. And then you choose to turn your heart back towards the Lord. And like me on that day, I can tell you, it was like jumping into a rocket ship. Because I had not been walking with the Lord, but my parents and the people around me had been interceding for my life. And so when I aligned my life, when I said yes to Jesus, when I stepped into the current, there was a wave of inheritance waiting for me. Within that year, I went from someone who was bitter and angry, not walking with the Lord, to suddenly walking in God's favor, feeling his peace, to leading a revival in the military in the same year. It's not something possible to happen unless the presence and that thing is taking place, that momentum. My friends, God has a calling on your life, and it goes beyond you. It is linked to those who have gone before you. There is a cloud of witnesses who are cheering you on because you have tasted and seen things that they longed to look into. You have received promises. Just felt like God was just talking to you personally, but you don't realize that those promises were given to people that went before you. That you're, you're one person in the line of those who are meant to steward these things. That there is a momentum in the spirit that is waiting for you if you will choose to align your life with that generational blessing. That's why Jesus came. Elijah looks up, seventh time praying, and what's he see? He sees that Israel is now coming back into alignment with the people that have gone before him. That the ways of God that were promised to the people of God and generations before them, he sees the prophetic sign, the cloud the size of the man's hand, not prophesying the rain, but prophesying that the people of God had finally come back into alignment with God's purposes. When you and I make decisions that are just according to our own ways, we just using gut choices. Have you ever found yourself making a decision and then after you made the decision, you feel like there's no peace in it? Like, oop, something turns in your stomach. You're like, dang, I wish I wouldn't have made that choice. Anybody ever experienced that before? I think all of us have experienced it to some degree. 
Did you know that the Holy Spirit of God is the presence of peace in your life? And when you get saved, he has repaired the mechanism of conscience in your heart. He gave you a new heart. And that heart is the ability to discern when something's off and when something's not. You will know when you're walking according to God's ways. Sometimes people will intentionally be confused about that. Oh, I'm not sure if I'm walking with God. Hogwash, you know. I know you know. Because you know. You know that you know. That you know. So don't argue with me about what you know or don't know, because you know. Right? You do. Because when you got saved, he gave you a new heart that knows when you are in the flow and when you are not. And I'm here today to challenge you on this Easter day and say to you that when Jesus died and the veil was rent, that the door was opened, that we now have connectedness to the spirit life, that you are not ignorant of these things. You know if you're walking in that generational thing or not. And I think for the most part, when we aren't, something on the inside is grinding. It will feel like this. It'll feel like, man, I'm made for more than this. You'll look at your life and you'll feel regret. You'll go, uh, I'm not sure that I am doing what I'm supposed to do. You feel it. It's the grind, not of confusion, because you are not confused. Don't use that word. That's a lie. You're not confused. You know something's off. But what are you going to do about it? What you're hearing me say today is this. Okay, Romans 6, in talking about baptism, says this, that when we are baptized into Christ Jesus, that our old sinful nature, the, the decision mechanism that always got it wrong, our sinful nature, the nature that always chose incorrect pathways. You're always going to miss the mark. That's what your sinful nature was. When you were baptized into Jesus, your old nature was put into the grave with him. And that when he came out of the grave in resurrection, that when you come out of the waters of baptism, that your life has been aligned with resurrection life. And the old nature stayed in the grave. That means you know when you're off and you know when you're on. You know. What you're experiencing, what you know, is that your life has purpose beyond what you're experiencing currently. And what I want to point you back to is a promise of significant revival, in my opinion, for our nation. It is a now word that has been prophesied now for many years, but it is a now word. This is Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This is a now word. Hear it with new ears today. You guys doing good? Come on. What are you going to do anyway, right? I got the microphone, so you're stuck. That's fine. It's Easter. You can't walk out on the pastor on Easter. 
This is Malachi 4, okay? Verses 5 and 6. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of their children towards their fathers, so that I'll not come and smite the land with a curse. Okay, whenever I read a passage and I'm trying to discover its meaning, sometimes I'll take and I'll read it backwards, and often it will unlock its meaning. Okay, so for instance, this one. This says, when I realize that there are curses in the land, when I realize that there are, are curses, this is broken covenants. This is, the, the result is a cursed experience or something off, something wrong. You can, you can see that. When things are going wrong, you can see it. You know, when I see curses in the land or upon a people, I know that somewhere along the line, God gave a promise, a prophetic promise, and it caused fathers to get excited about that prophetic promise, but their kids were not on board with it. And because there is a gap in the generations of carrying God's purposes forward, a curse in the land has resulted. God had a prophetic purpose. People began to walk with it. It didn't get passed on to the next generation. As a result, we have a broken covenant. If you look around our world right now, I bet you can find some cursed results, some broken covenants that have taken place, and the result is we got some problems. I'm calling to this generation because you are a prophetic generation called to recognize where their works of the devil have been established in the land, and then you and I, as sons and daughters of God, turn our hearts towards what God released prophetically previously, the dreams of a previous generation. We turn our hearts towards it, and we begin to intentionally mend the broken relationship. Fathers and mothers, you got a kid that's not walking with the Lord, what are you going to do about that? You have some promises in God, but they're not walking with the Lord. There's a gap in the generations. You're going to see problems down the line unless that gap is repaired. What are you going to do about it? In our land right now, state of Minnesota, we got some issues. We got, we got issues. Anybody else realize that? We got issues. We have laws being put in place in the land that are, that, that these are not the problem. They are the result of previous problems. This is not, this is not determining something, friends. This is the fruit of something. This is the result of something. How do we fix the curses in the land? Well, we got to go backwards and you go, okay, where did we stop turning our hearts of honor towards our fathers and mothers? Where is the brokenness in the land? Where can we repair? You got that going on in your family? Friends, turn your hearts towards them. The supernatural reality of God is this, that in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You got baptized, your old nature got done away with. You are new in God. The promises of God are yes and amen, as long as you're walking in his 
You're lying with him. Walk with him. As you walk with him, you're going to discover people that are in pain and in brokenness, and they are result, they're experiencing curses. They're experiencing the consequences of pain. You, as a son or daughter of God who is walking in the blessing of God, you have the opportunity to step into their world and to bring healing. You have the opportunity to point them back towards a destiny in God. And every single person has this going on in their life. Hear me, hear me loud and clear. You have people who have gone before you, and they are in heaven, and they are cheering you on right now. There are people in previous generations that you have never met before, but one day you will because you're carrying their promises. Elijah is walking with God. He has a servant, Elisha. When Elijah passes from this lifetime, he passes his ministry to Elisha. It's called the mantle, his responsibility, the ministry. It falls to Elisha. Elisha picks up the mantle, and now he's using that ministry. He's walking in power. You can see where it got passed on. But when it comes to Elisha passing away, there's nobody there to take up the mantle. And the story goes like this, that Elisha was buried in a tomb. And that down the line, there was a little bit of a war going on, and somebody died, and they took the body, and they threw it into this open tomb, which happened to be Elisha's. The dead body touches the bones of Elisha, and suddenly the man comes back to life. The momentum of ministry and the power of God, of heaven, was still resting on the bones of Elisha. It didn't get passed on. Look up here a second. Do you know how many people in history have walked with God and instead of it being passed on to the next generation successfully, went to the grave with them? And that those people are in heaven and they are interceding, they are praying that one of you would become alert to the reality that there was a call of God and a promise of God that's yet to be fulfilled and that if any one of you would jump into it and would say yes to it, would align your life with it, that there would be a spiritual inheritance ready for you to pick up and run with. That God always has a solution for darkness. And so when I see darkness, deep darkness out in the people, and I see consequences taking place, I am thinking to myself, somebody failed to pass on the ministry. Or somebody failed to pick it up. Either way, we got a need right now for somebody who's called of God to recognize, oh, there must be a ministry mantle waiting for someone to pick it up. Man, I got some stories for you. Today's not the day. It's Easter. What I'm telling you is true. Friends, when we, the house church, when we picked up the mantle of ministry that belonged to the Jesus people movement, when we said yes and amen to a previous generation's promise, and we went, Lord, we'll see it fulfilled, this church took off like a rocket ship. The same is for your life. I wonder sometimes how many people are sitting around waiting for God to do something when he is just like he may have already brought across your path several opportunities to pick up the mantle that's about to fall to the ground. 
Or maybe you're sitting here today and you needed to hear this sermon because maybe one's being presented to you in these days. But I'm telling you that the Lord is trying to bring wholeness and health and restoration, the kingdom, into this world. It's our job. He was raised from the dead and he gave us the ministry. What are you going to do about it? Are you carrying the previous generation's purpose? Are you rising up in the mantle, seeing the momentum of heaven flow through your life so that you can raise up others to do the same? Or are you on the sideline wondering when someone's going to give you the ball? I think that God has called you with great purpose. He doesn't waste a calling on somebody. He knows who you are. He's been calling to you. He's been stirring your hearts with purpose. I think these are the days of fulfillment. I think I'm looking at a whole bunch of champions. I do. I think I'm looking at a whole bunch of champions. People are going to stand up and win great victories. <laughs> I guess it was the Masters this weekend, right? So you're doing golf clapping. It's just, yes. All right. Let me land this plane. Are you guys doing okay? Okay. Couple of prayers. You can do one while you're sitting down, and then I'll have you stand up. Okay, just put a hand on your own heart there. Okay, I want you to get real with the Lord this morning. Are you out of alignment? Are you walking with Him today, or is, is are you out? You know you're out. Okay. Have you been saying no? Are you out of that flow of blessing? You know the momentum. You know the peace. You know what it's like to walk with God. Are you right with God this morning? And if you're not right with him, come on, right now is the perfect opportunity. Let's turn our hearts back towards him. If you're not right with Jesus this morning, I want you to pray with me. I'm going to have every voice, every person, you're all going to pray out loud. But if it's you, if you are not right with the Lord, I want you to get right with Jesus today. Don't leave here without being right with the Lord. Okay? Yeah, trust you can go ahead and play there. Church, every voice, every person, I want you to repeat after me. We're all going to pray the prayer, but if it's you, man, cry out in your heart today. He's going to hear you. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus that he died for me. And today, I surrender my life afresh to you, Jesus. Be Lord. Be Savior. Be my captain and king. Align my life with your purposes. I humble myself today, Lord. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit of God, I pray right now that you would come upon people. Pray that you would affirm and confirm the word of the Lord over people's lives. There are some where you prayed that prayer right now and all of heaven just rejoice because people have been waiting on you to finally say yes. Your grandma that died, she's been praying for you ever since. She's been up there cheering you on. She did it while she was here, but there's this word, this is a word to somebody. It's a word of knowledge, okay? There's someone here, you had a grandmother who prayed for you. You knew that she prayed for you. She told you that she was praying for you. But she did not get to see you walk with the Lord during her lifetime. But you knew that she was praying for you, and you're here today, and you are hearing me tell your story right now. 
All of heaven is waiting for you to say yes to Jesus. Will you surrender to him today? Someone invited you here. You're not here by accident. You're here because God ordained it. Will you surrender your life to Jesus today? You don't know when your days will come to an end. Surrender your life to Jesus today. If you're needing the Lord, if that's you, come on. Let your yes come before him. Jesus, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Come into my life, Jesus. Be my Lord. all over the room. Would you just put a hand on someone's shoulder to sit next to you now? I just want you to pray for them. I want you to pray the mercies of God over their life. Just say, I just release God's mercy afresh over you. Be forgiven. Be washed. Be renewed. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Um, if it's okay, I just, I'm going to call a few people out just to pray for you, just because there's some pretty obvious stuff happening right here. Um, this young guy, right, this guy here, the backwards hat there, he's touching your face right there. Just wave at me there. This, yeah, yeah. What's your name? Kevin. Would you just stick, put a hand on Kevin there? Lord, I thank you that your hand is on Kevin's life. I saw the Lord. I, it was like I saw an angel. He came over to you with a gift. And uh, it's like the gift unfolded, is unfolding currently. Um, yeah, there are a couple of things. Like God is, he he's put like a microphone in your hand. He's put a creative mechanism in you. And it's to, it's to, to give you voices to speak. There's more, it's more than that. It's like the Lord has made your life a microphone. He is amplifying the sound of heaven through you. And, and, uh, and so, Lord, I thank you for Kevin, that your hand is on his life. And I thank you for the gift, the, the pen of the ready writer, the, the mic that, that is able to communicate and to speak and uh, release the word of the Lord. And I just bless you, Kevin. The fullness of all that God has for your life, we bless you today. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. There's several others. I really, I just, I don't know. If we... Thank you, Lord, more. I, this, I, I, this is what I'm seeing, guys. I am, I'm watching as like hearts are, po you're, you, it's like you you positioned your heart posture just a little bit differently and and like the door cracked open and the Lord is using it right now to to pour out on your life and I, I saw I saw several angels come in the room with gifts and it was like 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 gifts to, to unlock your potential to have you step into stuff there's increase there's things that you've been doing but he wants to bring increase to it thank you Lord Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, where are my musicians at? You play the acoustic guitar. I just saw somebody playing the acoustic guitar. Where are you at? If that's you, would you stand up? You play the acoustic guitar. Nope. No artists over here? Really? 
Nobody plays acoustic guitar over here. You're lying. Who's this? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Anybody else? All right. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Wow. It was like the acoustic guitar turned into the harp of David. There are, there are, does anyone in, of those who are standing up, you're carrying the heart to see David's tabernacle restored. It's like that, that sound of heaven. You want to see that sound of heaven be released. Who is that? Just wave at me. Okay, yeah, maybe you're not even standing up, but there's a couple more. If that's you, would you stand up? You feel called to release the sound of heaven. The, it's David's tabernacle. It's that, that, that style of worship. There's a release that needs to come to that today. All right, guys, would you just extend your hands towards those who are standing up around you right there? Just look around real quick. Thank you, Lord. God, we prophesy the restoration of David's tabernacle. The sound of heaven would be released. The creative sound of heaven would be released. The artisans would be released. The sound of heaven would be released in this house once again. That upon these lives who are standing today, God, that your mighty anointing, that creative mantle would come upon them. God, I call for that right now, that the mantles of heaven, that those who have gone before us, who have carried that calling, Lord, that that gift would be placed upon these who stand here today. God, anoint them. Anoint them. Anoint them, Lord. The restoration of the sound, the sound would be restored. The symphony of heaven, Lord, would be released in the earth once again. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Songs. Songs, songs, songs. If that's you, songs. You're supposed to be writing songs. Go into that inner room. Start to write songs. Lord, we're calling for songs. We're calling for the sound of heaven to be released in this house, Lord. Some of you laid that, oh, wow, you have laid it down. You laid it down. You were called to this and you set it aside. You said, ah, maybe this really isn't me. I just want to encourage you. It is, it is you. For this moment, for this time, such a time as this. Oh, Jesus, cause their hearts to turn towards the young ones, to raise up the next generation. Thank you, Jesus. All right, everybody in the room, would you please stand to your feet? I'll bring this to a close here. Sorry, I'm... We're drifting into ministry mode here, and we could be here all day. Thank you, Lord. By the way, guys, we're going to start doing more of that on Friday nights. We're going to move into a revival service on Friday nights. And, yeah. We've been doing that on the first Fridays, but, man, it's just, there's such a flow. I, I really feel like we just step into that, and God wants to, like, a rocket ship. I think we need to be aligned with what he's doing. Amen? So... All right, wherever you're at, would you just hand, grab the hand of someone near you? Let's, let's all grab hands. If she's cute, squeeze her hand. Let her know. Come on. Lord, the mantle of getting married up in here. Let's do it. Let's find it. Bring them their spouse, Jesus. Bring them to them. All right. Wow. All right, Father, as a community this morning, Lord, we, we turn our hearts to you. And I'm asking, God, that the spirit and the mantle of Elijah would fall afresh on this church. God, that, that spirit of prophecy that stirs up hearts to dream and to envision a better future. 
to see your will manifested on the earth, Lord, your kingdom advanced. God, in nations and in industry and the family and the church, Lord, Lord, all of it. God, every individual calling in this room and the hearts of passion towards different things, Jesus, anoint them so powerfully in these days. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to recognize what you've done in previous generations so that we could receive it by honor and see that acceleration in the generations to come. God, I bless them today. I bless them. I bless them. Walk with the Lord, church. Love him. Know him. Don't be disappointed. I know there's been seasons of disappointment where hope has been deferred. That's not this season. Start anew. Try anew. God wants to move through your life. I bless you today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face and countenance be towards you. Oh, I pray you would know his smile. May he be gracious to you. Grant you success in your endeavors and things would work for you. I bless you today that his peace and shalom would rest on your life and that you would advance that kingdom of peace everywhere you go. I bless you today, church. In the mighty name of Jesus and anybody that dared to agree with that said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.